And they're fighting inside her. So she goes to God and asks, what in the world is going on? And God's response here in Genesis 25, verse 23, the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Of course, we think about that with regard to these two children, Amen. we saw was born first. And uh, even says that as, as he was born, uh, Jacob was grabbing onto his heel as he was being born, trying to you know, take over. He's from the womb. He was fighting in the womb, and he was being born. Um, but as that story goes, we're not going to go through all of that from uh, Genesis here. Of course, he saw that they grew up. He sold his birthright to his brother Jacob, to his younger brother Jacob, uh, for a bowl of soup or stew or whatever. And then later, Jacob tricked the father Isaac out of giving Esau, who was then the rightful, the older firstborn, out of the blessing. And so, hatred ensued, and Jacob ran away, and the story goes on. And later they were reconciled, but there's kind of a, kind of a but they were reconciled, but they didn't really quite get together. And then, of course, the, the story of the descendants, there's enmity and strife through all that. So, as we know, Jacob was reading Israel, and then he saw his descendants, who were known to kind of keep this thing straight. Um, on the one hand, we have Edom, the sort of this nation related to Esau, which mentions of Mount Esau, one of the places in Mount Seir, a place called Timon, that all relates to Edom. And then, with regard to Israel, or, or Judah, you know, we have uh, references to Jacob, of course, and Jerusalem, and then within Jerusalem, there's the holy mountain, or Mount Zion. Uh, in this book, there's reference to Joseph and Benjamin, and, and the, the Negev, or the Negev, however the Bible spells that, and the Shephelah. There's, there's a certain area within Judah there that, that those are associated. These are all kind of synonymous with the people of Judah, Israelite, and that kind of thing. So, so some of those things will come up, and we'll talk about that as we go. It's also some geography, it's probably hard to see, but if you look below the Dead Sea, that's where Edom is. And uh, you look to the west, the left of the Dead Sea, that's where Judah is, and so of course some of those that are up north are already taken away. Uh, but well, that'll be sort of where that fighting goes on, that sort of thing. Of course, the Philippines there on the coast. Way up north, we have the Phoenicians, who just mentioned the Zarephath in this book, and that's way up north there. So, uh, basically, there's, you can boil it down to, uh, God's people and their land. So let's just jump into the text here. Obadiah. Obadiah, verse 1. The vision of Obadiah. Thus says the Lord God concerning Edom, 
We have heard a report from the Lord. A messenger has been sent among the nations. Rise up. Let us rise against her now. So here we're introduced, of course, to what the guy talked about. You can read the author, but whether that's his name or, or whether he relates to any of the 11 other of the guys in the Old Testament is unclear. Uh, and it might have to be the deity means serving the Lord. So, of course, the prophet is going to be serving the Lord. But we see, of course, the, the message of the book being brought out here. He's announcing the topic of the book, as we've already talked about, Edom. We deal with Edom. God has charged other nations to fight against them. Somehow, some translations talk about an envoy, a messenger, so God has communicated in some fashion, but it's not spelled out to us, that he's going to have other nations bring judgment upon you. Not unlike the judgment that Babylon is bringing on to Judah, and God, you know, God's kingdom as well. And God is working, of course, in this spiritual world, in the heavenly realm, you might say, to affect change in the physical world. We had the prophecy of the all. We even see something similar in, in Daniel 10. I'm not going to go back there, but there's some discussions there of people relate to this type of thing, of angels and the prince and kings of Persia and, and, and things going on in the heavenly realm that seem to relate to these kingdoms. And that's perhaps what's going on here as well. Looking at the next verse, so we move on. Behold, I will make you small among the nations. You shall be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you. You who live in the clefts of the rock, in your lofty dwelling, who say in your heart, Who will bring me down to the ground? Though you soar aloft like the eagle, though your nest is set among the stars, from there I will bring you down. Well, what's happening to Edom here? Judgment. Judgment is, is being pronounced on Edom. And it has to do here in these verses with their pride. They seem to be trusting in their in their uh, physical strong defenses. You know, if you uh, if you see the movie uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and then toward the end of the movie they go to that weird uh, carved place in the rock, and that that was set in in this place. Actually, called Petra. And they have these very narrow uh, canyons, and so it's easy to defend when you have a narrow canyon with just a few men to defend that, that small opening. And they had all of these uh, high, at the high ground, as we would say, militarily, and these, these rocks and things uh, made it a good place to defend and hard to defeat them. So they were trusting in this. But of course, God is the overall thing. We can't trust in our physical. Uh, Reading at verse 5. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how would you have been destroyed? Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave lean? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. All your allies have driven you to the border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. We might ask here how bad 
with a C. He kind of compares it to this idea, you know, if um, it sure would be a bad thing if someone came and robbed your house, or if they came and plundered your your crops. But in those cases, they wouldn't take everything. Even though we would really not want that to happen, we wouldn't get we would broken into and robbed. But it's going to be way worse than that. It's going to be totally destroyed. It's not going to be just like someone broke in and stole your stuff or took your crops. God's going to, God's going to take over and, and destroy them, utterly judged. And they're being betrayed uh, by their allies, we can hear as well. Talking about uh, those who eat their bread, they took the idea that their friends at the table, these people that they have, uh, that they think they have friendly relations with, are actually betraying them according to God's so plan here for judgment. Verse 8. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Eden, and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed about you, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by the tide. Even the great people of this, of this kingdom of Eden are going to be destroyed. The wise, the mighty soldiers, their, their stronghold that they're trusting in is the things that are all going to be And this might be, you know, if you're kind of familiar with the prophecy, this might be where you might expect God to, to say, but if you repent. But that's not offered here. This, this judgment is sealed. These, these folks are so over the top, uh, beyond repenting. This is, this is gone too far. So, so thank you. I meant to mention that Teman is one of the ancestors of Esau. I think his grandson. But then there's a city called Teman in the kingdom of Eden. So that that's what that's referring to. Is that uh, even that city is proud, right? They're going to be right. All right. Verse 10. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you, and you shall be cut off forever. On the day that you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gate, and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. Now we're learning some details about why he then is being judged and what the deal Right, what's so wrong about what they've done? What they've done? They, they, as Judah has been taken off into captivity, they don't give them help. But they also seem to have helped Babylon in making what God had planned the judgment for them. Even might have made it worse. And wouldn't God, God's will for precisely how that would go. So they are having judgment for that. They're standing aloof. They're not. They're not helping, and they're uh, going into the gates here. And that's what I'm Verse twelve. Here's the thing: they should. They shouldn't do. But do not gloat over the day of your brother and the day of his misfortune. Do not rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their ruin. Do not boast in the day of distress. Do not enter the gate of my people. 
in the day of their calamity. Do not gloat over his disaster in the day of his calamity. Do not loot his wealth in the day of his calamity. Do not stand at the crossroad to cut off his fugitive. Do not hand over his survivors in the day of distress. All these things that God was telling them what we do the location is that they have done these things. And this, this, we just have a clearer picture of perhaps what they've done. Uh, they have gone in. And there's even extra biblical writings that talk about that uh, the Edomites are the ones who lit the fire on the temple. And Babylon, that's not in our scriptures, but there's some ancient historical writings that indicate that. And that very well might be true. So they're, they're getting involved in these things. They're going in and doing stuff. And it could be the case that while that whole standoff was happening, well, Jerusalem was under siege and they were kind of trapped in there. Well, then everybody that lived in the countryside, they were all holed up in the city. And their farms and things were just sitting there. So it seems that perhaps the Eden just came in and took all the free stuff, just stole their stuff. While their, while their brothers are being understood. And that's not okay. God is not happy with them. Gloating over their uh, misfortune, rejoicing over their ruin, boasting while they're in distress, taking their stuff, helping the Babylonians even capture those who, that they were running away and trying to flee this disaster. Perhaps they could have gotten away except for these Edomites that caught them and being them to the Babylonians. We might think, by way of application on this, you know, how do we treat our neighbors? Hopefully not terrible as this. But how do we treat our national foes? Countries that aren't friendly with us? How do we think about that? Our political opponents, even among our, our neighbors, and people here that we disagree with them. We make sure that God, God wants us to have a heart that's not like them. Verse 15, this is sort of the, the turning point of the book. For the day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. As you have done, it shall be done for you. Your deeds shall return on your own head. And so, you know, we've been focusing strictly on Edom and their wrongdoings here, but it seems to be broadening now on all the nations. The day of the Lord is near upon all the nations. The day of the Lord is in judgment. Of course, we know the wages of sin is, of sin is death. There's this retribution principle, an eye for an eye, that seems to be what's coming into play here. As you have done, it will be done to you. Edom, you have done wickedly. And you're going to have the judgment of a harsh judgment. And of course, in Christ, we know that we have the free gift of God as well. Verse 16. To go on from this idea of what they've done. For as, as you have drunk on my holy mountain, so all the nations shall drink continually. They shall drink and swallow and shall be as though they had delivered them. But in Mount Zion there shall be those to escape. And it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob shall possess their own possession. The house of Jacob shall be a fire 
the house of Joseph aflame, and the house of Esau stubble. They shall burn them and consume them, and there shall be no survivor for the house of Esau, for the Lord has spoken. And as I alluded to, there, there's references to the Edomites burning the temple as part of the destruction that went on with the Babylonian takeover. And I don't know if this is referencing perhaps, you know, imagining um, they're celebrating the victory and, and getting thrown to the ruins of God's temple and that sort of thing. Perhaps that's what a reference is to the, the nations uh, being drunk on my holy mountain. That's, that's what the temple does. But I think then the other references to drinking are drinking the cup of God's wrath. So all the nations will drink continually. They shall drink and fall and shall be and they never drink. We see references to that elsewhere in the, in the prophets and the revelation of God's wrath. But God's people will be saved in Ultimately, of course, the, the time these folks were taken away in captivity, but we also know that the men will return. And we see here the reversal. God's people will be the fire, and Edom will be the fuel. And no survivors on it. Thank you. Those are the niggas shall possess Mount Esau. And those of the Shephelah shall possess the land of Philip. And this is where it's a little confusing when you know the geography. Basically, Nahab and the Shephelah are uh, referred to where God's people are. God's people, the people of Judah and Israel, they're going to take over Mount Esau. They're going to take over the Edomite territory. And those of the Shephelah, they're going to take over the land of the Philistines over there to the west. God's people are going to conquer and reign here. They shall possess the land of Ephraim and the land of Samaria. And Benjamin shall possess Gilead. Again, the same sort of concept. That God's people are going to be possessing this land with their neighbors. The exiles of this host and the people of Israel shall possess the land of the Canaanites as far as Zarephath. That was way up north in the, what we talked about there on the west coast there. The land of the Canaanites part of Zarephath, and the exiles of Jerusalem were in Sepharad, uh, shall possess the cities of the Negev. The Savior shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord. And some of that may be thinking about the Mount again. That area of Judah, basically that's standing out to take over territories that they had previously owned, and they were taken over by the Syrians, and these neighboring enemy countries, they're, they're taking all of that over. You even up they have to work there in the Phoenician bar. And that one reference to Sephirad is thought to be Turkey. So what how far the north off of our map where some of these uh, people that are out in captivity, they're going to come back and and take take this land over. God's people will take over these lands, God is victorious and the theme of this story. God is victorious and God's people are victorious. We're in God's side as we have to do. The Edomites are defeated by the Babylonians later on. There's a point where the, the Edomians and the, the land, the map kind of changes around. But eventually by the first century, after 
for the century, he was both a kind of investigation history. So, basic application, be kind. Be in the good spot, not the evil spot. Be Jacob, not the spot. Be Israel, not the evil. Be God's nation, not the nation of the world. So thinking about the day of the Lord, as we mentioned in verse 15, Day of the Lord is this idea of judgment. From our perspective, what Christ was intended. He thought about this book. Uh, the last verse, verse 21 Saviors will grow up to Mount Zion, to Mount Zion, and kingdom. the kingdom shall be the Lord. Of course, we know about the Savior that has to Mount Zion, but certainly want to see Christ on this thing. And the God is victorious in some of these physical situations, but God did, we understand. Um, Christ is victorious. And we're victorious with him if we are aligned with him. 2 Peter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with the Lord, and heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved. And the earth and the works that are done on it will be closed. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness and godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt and be burned. So, we need to recognize we're not in that time uh, that the book of Obadiah was written specifically for some about judgment on judgment on Eden, but we do know that there's going to be a judgment brought on the earth. Whose side are we on? Are we on the Lord's side? Who will be victorious? You know, even the, the song that was picked here won't be very long. Looking through this, this is the day, the Torah. Get ready for that day. It won't be very long. Is there anything we can do to help you all? We need to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. We need to pray with you. We need to repent for things. We want to help you. If there's anything we can do, we invite you to come with you. Thank you for coming, guys.